it's one thing throughout my career, I think growing up in BC, I always had those technical skills and backgrounds. So even in uh, my mountain bike career, I was always known for kind of pushing the limits, especially with the drop bars. I love it when people doubt what you can do. And it's, it's always fun, I think, um, pushing the limits of your bike and seeing what you can get away with. From KOM Cycling and Michigan Midpack Media, welcome to the Dirty Chain Podcast, the podcast that covers the cycling scene from the viewpoint of the Michigan Midpack. I am your host, Trevor, and on this episode, we talk with pro cyclist and drop bar legend, Jeff Kabush. This last weekend has been jam-packed with some of the best gravel cycling racing, of, honestly, in the last couple years. We will definitely be talking about Unbound, and uh, locally we had Sancho 200. But as we say before we get into all of that, I would like to introduce a stranger to the podcast, a voice that hasn't been heard for the last few episodes. This is Sheldon. Who dis? Sheldon Little. (laughs) (laughs) I'm back. Sheldon is back on the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. I have been on the road for, what is it? Too long, man. 27 days? Yeah. Something like that? Yeah. Yeah. So, obviously, work has been... um, Crazy. Crazy, but has taken you all around, but now you're back in Michigan. I'm back in the eastern time zone. It's <laughs> it's taken me like a week to get back on like our like whole you're still a three little, hour time. You're still a little jet lagged, right? A little bit. Okay. No. Drunk? A little bit of both. <laughs> a little both. Does it even does it even out or Yeah, yeah, no. It's like you level out drunk with jet lag and it's the same thing. Yeah. Works every time. Every time. <laughs> <laughs> we call it the Trevor technique. <laughs> I have tried it several times. So, Sheldon, you know, let's catch up a little bit. Uh, it's been it's been a long time since you and I have even seen each other. So, the last time you and I saw each other, you were pushing me. You're like, you know, you're not going to be able to bike for a while. Man, you're going right to this, right? Uh, right to it. <laughs> so, Trevor and I, the last time we saw each other, yep. I was like, well, if you're not going to be able to bike, how are you going to stay in shape? And granted, Sheldon's been out of shape for a while. Can we, can we bring a little... I, I, I would like to preface you want, this. You want some context? A little bit of context. You um you were concerned because you were traveling. Yep. You wouldn't be able to ride. Yeah. And uh, you you thought, well, what am I going to do? My fitness, you know, whatever. And and I said, I you know, I hate to say it, <laughs> but you might have to run. You might have to just get a pair of shoes and uh, just figure out a way to stay active while you're traveling. And what did I do? So I mean, you went to Playmakers the next day. Spent like 250 bucks On a pair of like Hoka's or something. I bought some nice Hoka's, did yeah. the whole like running test, like what my stride was, mm-hmm. bought nice running shirts, some, uh, an extra pair of running shorts. And, and as much as I hate running, I, at this point, I approve everything that's been happening. Yeah. Um, so you... Tons of thumbs up from Trevor and other people. And other people. Um, so yeah. So what did, so, so pick us up. Yeah. So I, yeah, I went out for my first run. I ran a 10 K. I haven't ran in three years. Okay. Um, (laughs) I think we can spell out how the rest of this goes. I didn't just run one 10 K the next day. I ran another 10 K. So how did you feel after the first 10 K? Oh, terrible. And then how did, okay. (laughs) So, and then what made you run the second 10K? Oh, I'm a stubborn bastard. Okay. All right. And, and then the third day, I went out for another 10K, and I made it four miles. It was uh, terrible. My knee buckled. Oh, man. I uh, limped home, or back to the hotel, because I was in California. Sure, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I've been suffering the consequences since. I've uh, gone to my orthopedic surgeon who rebuilt my right knee previously. And the first because, thing, of, because of running. Because of running. Yeah. And the yeah. first thing he said to me was, I thought you have given up on running. <laughs> I haven't seen this guy in seven years, eight years. Oh, man. And uh, 
I had to, and he was like, what happened? I was like, well, I went for a run. He's like, how far did you run? Well, I ran 6.2 miles. He's like, why did you do that? I was like, well, because I wanted to run 6.2 miles the next day. Did you do that? Yeah. <laughs> what did you do the next day? Four miles. Well, that's better. Well, I had to stop at four miles because my knee gave out. And since then, it, you've been in pain, obviously. I've been limping. Yeah. Possible ACL tear. Jeez. Ah, now, I mean... What did we do today? Well, we we rode our bar bikes down to... Well, the, the 26er auto mixer the bikes. The 26er. The single speed bikes. The single speed 26er auto mixers. Which I don't think you should have. There was a there was a moment where we're going up this hill and there was a creaking and I couldn't. Was it my knee or my bottom bracket? You don't know. No, no. I I wasn't sure if it was my drivetrain or your drive, your personal body body (laughs) drivetrain. All the above. No, the popping noise is my knee. The creaking is your bottom bracket. Okay. (laughs) Good to know. Yeah, things aren't going well. Like I'm I'm sitting here right now and. (laughs) Can you hear that? That's terrible noise. That was not good. I hope that was picked up by the I microphone. I hope so, too. Because that is not a good noise to come from someone's joints. <laughs> um, so, again, I, uh, I, I, I don't think that running is a bad idea, but you just kind of... You you just dove in a little too... Well, a friend of the show, Nick Stanko, scolded me something He hard. did. I, he, he was... <laughs> He didn't hold back, which I don't think he should have. I think I think he was right. It was very deserving. He was I'll, like, "I'll give it to Nick." It was very deserving. So, so what did he say? He said, "Like he's like, how about you don't run a 10k for your first run in a couple of years?" He might as well said, "Hey, dumbass, what what were you thinking?" <laughs> I mean, that's what I was. What were you thinking? <laughs> I mean that, that that sounds like the internal narrative I had going. <laughs> did it stop me? No. Hey, do you think that I, just as you're telling me this? You know, I used to be a runner, and... Uh, I used to mock you. And you, and you still mock me for I that. still mock him. Yeah. But um, it, making that transition from cycling to running, you know, we, we'll go out and do hours, like two hours, three hours on a bike. Yeah. And I think that just going straight to cycle, or going straight back to running, you think you have to be putting in a lot of time. Yeah, it's like I, I have to run for two hours. Yeah, and I, I think that's the wrong way to go about it. And, that, and that's what Nick was saying. He's like, go out for one mile and do that several times before your body says, this is okay, and then go do two miles. And, and then add in another yeah, yeah. mile. Yeah. But I, I think it's hard when you're an endurance athlete, you think you have to be going out for long periods of time. I understand the like wanting to go out for further but um, I also, I'm conflicted. I understand it. I feel bad that I put that idea in your head. <laughs> and and Playmakers didn't help. They're like, oh, yeah, you're good to run. Yeah. But, uh, but I also feel bad because now you're kind of Crippled. You know, down for the count for, for a bit. But we rode bikes today. We did. I mean, if you call it. It was, a, it was a real adventure. I we mean, we were sweaty afterwards. We were sweaty. I there was a flat. Yeah, Trevor got a flat after a bunch of margaritas. Um, there was like a there was a ferret. There, there may have, there may have been a ferret. Trevor's pissed. I brought a ferret. Okay, listen, <laughs> we don't want to talk about this too much. I want to. I want. I kind of want to get into the weekend of gravel. <laughs> can we? Can we like do a hard transition? Hard transition. We're game. I'm okay, game. Okay, so this weekend. We just, I mean, just yesterday, I, I don't know when you're going to be listening to this, but just yesterday we saw some of the best gravel racing, best gravel events that that we have. In uh, two years. Yeah, in, in the last couple of years. Unbound, former DK, of course, um, went on, and it, I, as far as I can tell, was a huge success. As crappy as the new name is, the event went off amazing yeah i mean we we've been pretty um i'm gonna stay hard on the name i think the name sucks it we and we've talked about this in the past we we weren't super thrilled about the name and and also kind of on this on the same subject i i really i really wanted to not be excited about it uh for very for various reasons the whole like name change, brand change. 
It, well, it had nothing to do with the name change. It was what they chose as the name. Like, the name had to change. There yep. was no question about that. Like, DK had to have a rebranding. But the new name just sucks. Well, and I w- our original conversation about the Sheldon, I remember we, we kind of we talked through all this stuff, said we weren't really thrilled about the name. It was, it was a little generic. Um, but th- what we ended with was it probably doesn't matter what the name is. It's how the event's put on. And if the, if the event is solid, it's going to continue to be great. And, and so what I witnessed this weekend was, you know, from afar, like we, I, neither of us were there, but from afar, I witnessed an incredible event. And lots of participants that were really excited to be there. Oh, the, the list was stacked. From from the very uh, top end to just just a ton of people that went out. Some local people that we know went out. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I just, there was a buzz about it that reminded me of the former DK, that, that, that kind of buzz. And I was kind of concerned about that race. I thought maybe it had jump the shark if you will a little bit like it wouldn't be able to survive after the whole rebranding but after this weekend listen i i'm kind of in and it's still a bucket list event like and as as much as i didn't want to be excited about it i'm so <laughs> pumped about what i saw and uh listen i i want to i definitely want to go there maybe next year but a couple things all right here's a couple takeaways from the sideline. We have, in the past, interviewed a few um, former winners of DK Now Unbound. But now we have also interviewed a couple future winners yeah. of Unbound. So I'm going to start with the 100-mile men's race. Stephen Hyde, we, cyclocross racer, probably, win, probably one of our most interesting interviews. Like I won't lie, Stephen was one of my favorite. It, it was right as things went into quarantine. Yeah, everything locked down. I think he was one of our very first Zoom interviews. It, it was. We were still trying to figure out the whole. Process we had no idea what we were yep. doing. We're yep. like, we're like, all right, let's just start asking, you know, people that interest us. Yeah. Yep. yep. And his interview, still to this day, is one of my favorites. And like because he is, he just was such spilled a, the beans. He a, told us everything. Yep, yep. What a great guy. So the fact that when I saw that he was going out there, I was like, "This is interesting." I didn't think of him as a gravel racer. I think of him as a cyclocross. Mo- cyclocross, and then outside of that, just mountain biking. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he he went out there and did the hundred mile, which still for a cyclocrosser, cyclocross <laughs> racer, that it seems like a long distance and yeah he won it and then when i saw (laughs) that ian boswell won the 200 won the 200 i was pumped and ian's been on the podcast um i feel like we have to do like we have to start calling people back and be like hey we have to talk to you again i mean even more than this i i don't want to claim that uh it was all because of us but listen there's a podcast touch here there is there is. So if you want to win, you have to get your chain dirty. <laughs> I didn't say it, you said it, but <laughs> listen, Ian, like this year I think it was one of the most competitive years, whether it's on the on the women's side or the men's oh, side. The field was stacked. They all sorts of uh world tour pros and domestic pros and uh just gravel, pro- like everyone was there and ready to make a statement and ready to, uh, like, put their name on the, on the map. I, yeah. No, no, on the map. Yeah. yeah. No, absolutely. And you had you had several people like World Tour guys like Matteo Jorgensen who just got off the Giro d'Italia, um, Quinn Simmons and Keel Reinen and Robin Carpenter who rally. Actually, Robin Carpenter was the, uh, I think if I'm correct, the highest finisher of of a world tour current world tour pro but the the fact this and this is the point i'm getting to the the fact that it wasn't one of them 
it was a retired pro that works full time in Vermont. In Vermont. <laughs> the fact that he was the winner. Um, and not only that he was the winner, but the the whole like first five finishers between Ian Boswell, Lawrence Tendam, Pete Stetna, Ted King. He, After just having a broken collarbone, like what a beast. I am like absolute beast. I am I am ridiculously inspired by this race and by the rides that they they did. That they, they hammered out. They literally like I wanna I I, I wanna quickly inter- not interject, but like I also want to call out Amity Rockwell. Um so Lauren DeCrescendo won the whole thing, and I'm watching this and of course like so we've talked to Amity Rockwell, who won um a couple years ago, and so she's a, definitely a name that I'm looking at and I'm I'm watching their progress and uh, Amity is kind of down, like, I don't know, like fifth place through a couple different uh, checkpoints. Mm-hmm. And Amity just kept like crawling through and crawling. And, and she finished second. And I, I just, I, I don't know the whole story there. Um, I've read a couple things about uh, the men's race. I wish I, I wish I could find a couple uh, more articles about like what exactly happened uh, in the women's race. But I, I mean, 200 miles is insane. And a lot can happen. And you can go from being 10th, being 20th, to being 2nd. And Amity put on a, on a great race. And, I mean, Lauren DeCrescendo, I mean, absolutely. Kudos. Uh, yeah, like. amazing. Um, but, so I, like I said, totally inspired. I, I, I wanted to not be interested. I wanted to not. <laughs> uh, but, man, I. You got the fever back. Damn it. I did, <laughs> and and then on the on the other side of the gravel coin, it's not really the gravel coin. No one's ever said that. Uh, yeah, but <laughs> yeah, you totally made that up. <laughs> but local here, we had the Sa- the Sancho two hundred, and another two hundred mile gravel race that in a wait 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 gravel in quotation marks. We'll call it sand race. It's sand. Well, it's if so you, much sand. If you break down gravel to into its, smaller pieces, to its, it's finest, <laughs> <laughs> it's the Sancho 200. It's the Sancho 200. And I mean, Sheldon, you are you are very familiar with this. I've done it. I it's it's a uh, beast 20, of a race. 2019. 2019. Eighth place. You did you did pretty well. Uh, all things considered. <laughs> Tell us a little bit. I mean, we've talked about Sancho. Sancho is an amazing race. Like, it is put on by Einstein Cycle, Hash, or uh, Bear Claw. Bear Claw. Um, It is a 200 mile race, and there is no less than 40 miles worth of sand. And we're talking beach sand. It is wicked. And I think this is this is just kind of the. If you want to ride dirt roads in the area of Upper Traverse Manistee. City, Upper Manistee, yep, yep. If if you want to ride dirt roads in the area of Upper Michigan, Upper Lower Peninsula, Michigan, yep, yep. This is what you're going to have to deal with. You you have to deal with beach sand. Yeah, I mean, it, and we're talking a two track worth of beach sand for miles, and it's not like oh a mile here, a mile there. We're talking like seven, eight mile stretches. I, I go back and forth whether or not I want to do it. So no, you want it. You definitely want to. It, it is. I don't. I don't agree. So um, <laughs> I uh, I definitely had a little bit of FOMO this year. Um, a, a few of our friends. I mean Tristan, who this is his third year in a row doing it. This is third year. He I think eighth place this year. Yeah. This this year was ridiculous. But um, he did an amazing job, and this is his. Every year he circles this race. This is his A race. Yep. And um, every year he just he cranks it out, man. He second place last year. Second place last year. Um, in the freezing cold. So last year was in October. Yeah. This is so. This year has been on schedule. Last year was off schedule. And last then last year was October. He took second place, and I think they how many they had like a dozen people finish. This year. No, last year. Last year, uh, probably. And this year, there's only like 18 people yeah. that finished. Yeah, this year was just as bad. It was hot. It was hot and sandy. But yeah, so Tristan, um, 
also a friend of the podcast, Mark Bryson, went out. Um, first time he did it and, and finished, which huge kudos. Like a lot of people had to DNF. Um, Nick Stanko. Yep, friend of the podcast. Yep, he... he he, I mean, like he pushed through some rough stuff, and, and he's he, he's a former winner. Yeah, he won it. Yeah, he won it in 2019. Uh, Jason Lowitz, who also friend of the body. yeah, uh, Bear Claw, like he he's the owner of Bear Claw. He won the whole thing this year. Um, uh, Tracy Berman was up there. Who, uh, if you're from Michigan, you you probably heard her name in the gravel circles or cyclocross circles, and and she finished. Any any of these like anyone that finished. I am so impressed with that. It's such a hard course because of the heat that this weekend gave us. And then the, the wind and, and then the course is difficult, but, um, but man, I mean, so, so to see on one side of, of the gravel, uh, world or whatever you have unbound, which had probably thousands and thousands of people put it like, and it was difficult. It was hot. It was windy, whatever. And then, <laughs> Close to us, you had Sancho, which is also a 200-mile race, and it was hot, and it was windy, it was sandy, it was what, but then people just pushed themselves to to finish. I was super inspired. I I can't help but be inspired by that, and I I, I kind of want to. I have a couple big races up this still this year, and I'm thinking, man, I I really got to get back on it, and I gotta. I don't know. I just I. It was, it was very cool to watch. Yeah. How were you going to follow up your win at uh, Fast uh, Fitty? Fast Fitty. <laughs> well, I, we have some high expectations all of a sudden. I don't, I, I'm not quite sure what my next race will be, but yeah, I don't know. You better I, podium. I, podium where? <laughs> I think my next race is going to be like Belgian Waffle Ride. <laughs> you better <There's>, podium. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way. <laughs> so, Sheldon, I am... I'm super glad that you're back because when I think of people that use drop bar bikes in places they should not, <laughs> I think of two people in my life. I think of the famous Jeff Kabush, Jeff Kabush, winner of Iceman on famously on drop bars, absolute beast on a bike, and uh, he's recently done some crazy FKT things, which are like mountain bike things that. Uh, or mountain bike courses that he just went out on drop bars and but then closer <laughs> on the other end <laughs> I, a little, no a, a, more personally i think of you who has also done Iceman on drop bars and uh i i think the reason you, you roll drop bars is more just because you don't own a mountain bike i, I literally don't have a bike with <laughs> flat bars but no i i, I kind of think that the uh the whole like, you know, Jeff Kubushki kind of like underbiking, like you, you're underbiked on a on a single track, but it's just like that challenge of taking a bike that shouldn't be there and putting it on a, a trail or a rocky situation. I think it's a super interesting thing, of course, and I think it's something that like you embrace. Definitely. Well, I, I think a lot of people haven't ridden drop bar bikes on a single track. And until you do, it's actually pretty awesome. Like, there's... I saw a huge smile on your face after riding single track on a drop bar single speed. Fair enough. Fair enough. You were grinning ear to ear afterwards. And I think... I Actually, I think this is like something that Jeff and I talk about. It's It's just the fact that... It's like you're getting away with something. Yeah, you, you shouldn't be doing Yes, that. exactly. Like, it's totally like underage drinking. Like, <laughs> do you remember how much fun underage <laughs> drinking was? And now like we're over 21 and we're like, what can I get away with? Oh, drop ours on a single track. And it's it's that exhilaration. Like afterwards you, you get done, you're like, I feel like I'm underage drinking again. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I no, but I, honestly, like that's exactly right. Um that's I think that's what's fun about it, the adventure of it, and Jeff Kabush brings it to another level. Um, and obviously, he's incredibly uh, successful, just skilled like on, and... on a traditional mountain bike or, or or whatever. But it's it's just 
it was a cool conversation that I had about that I had with him about um, about drop bars. I'm super interested in drop bars and and kind of just about whole, his whole racing career and Iceman and and all that. So as Trevor says, let's dive right in. Jeff Kabush. Jeff Kabush. How's it going? Going well, man. How are you doing? Oh, I just. Hustling away. Got. Uh, let me turn my video on one sec. Uh, yeah, just trying to get my coffee all set. Hustling around this morning. A little earlier <laughs> for you than uh, I am East Coast time. So uh, the coffee yeah. has already been consumed. I. I mean, I could technically be drinking alcohol right now because it's afternoon for me. So no, that'll be a little later for me. So <laughs> on my on my second coffee, my rule is three espresso drinks i got one one left in my ration so uh man what an honor to be uh uh talking with you and thank you for being willing to do this um there are a lot of different directions that i think we can take this conversation um you have an impressive list of past accomplishments uh you've been doing some really cool stuff recently especially with the fkt thing and uh some products product releases and everything but i think what the people want to hear about i'm sure is about your zwift racing um (laughs) so you you don't know this you don't know this but we've actually been racing together for the past uh eight weeks um on these uh the zwift um tuesday night uh races nice um, playing video games together. Yeah, I don't nice. know. I don't necessarily think we've been together. I've been off the back. You've been probably a little more up the front. But I've been racing with the ATP team. I'm sure you see a few of them. Um, yeah. But, uh, and for some reason, um, I swear I'm going to let you talk. I don't know why I'm talking so much right now. But um, for some reason, this season, we were in like Division Three before. For some reason... Swift Racing League moved us up to Division One, which we have no business being in. So we usually uh, end up at the back. There's a couple other ATP teams that are a little more like they they should be there, but our specific one should not be. So, but every once in a while, I'll see your name as we're racing. So you don't know it, but we've been racing each other the past couple of weeks. Yeah, no, it's funny. Yeah, the WTR guys, we're WTRL. I uh, joined the. Uh... Blochio guys, I think for the second, uh, maybe it was their first season, but yeah, we were in the bottom division, um, just having some fun, division uh-huh. four. Um, but yeah, we got up to division one, and uh, it's really just a fun group. Um, got pulled into it there by Kevin Bouchard Hall and the mm-hmm. Blochio guys, and we have quite a cast of characters from uh, around the, the Northeast, but even a couple other Canadians like NHL, ex-NHL guy, yeah. Andrew Ferentz, and uh, some runners and venture racers. And uh, yeah, we all kind of get together and shoot the shit on Discord, uh, trash talk, and have some fun um, and put together yeah, a you know, of comedy I, videos afterwards. So yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think it's for everyone, but maybe everyone hasn't tried it out, but I've really enjoyed I mean, there is a competitive aspect to it that I get into, but then it's like, yeah, I'm talking to people like some, we have some Canadians on our team. We have like people in um, South United States on our team and my brother's on, on the team. So it's like, there's a, there's this like, and my brother lives uh, like 10 hours away from me. So it's some of the most that we get to talk to during the week is when we're racing. Um, yeah. So there's just like this social element that I think is really cool and unique to, uh, to Zwift racing. Well, especially this year. Yeah. I mean, you definitely have to keep it all in perspective, uh, that it's a video game, but yeah. man, yeah. Like I kind of walked into the little partnership with Zwift before COVID and Man, uh, I got the setup in the garage here up in Truckee in the mountains, and it's yeah, it was a godsend when COVID hit to have that full Zwift setup when all the the trainers and everything sold out. Yeah, so no kidding. Actually, rode it a lot, and um, yeah, this whole COVID period, it's been super nice, especially in the winter up here in the mountains. Can still do a bit of riding along with the skiing, and uh, yeah, when there's not not much else going on, it's actually been some some great race workouts. Man, especially 
especially at altitude being down 10% on power. Uh, man, uh, <laughs> I'm definitely suffering there right along with you. In those races. <laughs> um, so you have though, I saw recently you've, you've done like a, an outside ride recently, a race. Um, you did one of the grasshopper series races. Yeah. I finally kind of got vaccinated and did like a road trip out to Utah. So did my first XC race out there. Yeah. I did those, um, fun rides in Utah and then the grasshopper series this last weekend, finally returning to normal, um, got the permits in California. So yeah, fun, fun road race, uh, gravel event down there. Some, some of the top California guys were out, so it was quite a stacked field, and yeah, fun to get back into it finally. Did you feel like um, between Zwift and then some of your other like FKT training and everything, how'd you feel stacked up in the group? You feel like you were ready, or you've been missing some of that like head-to-head competition? Definitely the uh, the Zwift got the mental going that uh, remembering how to suffer, but definitely in uh, it was. I certainly missed, uh, I did definitely some road racing, but definitely wish I could have done more. So it's definitely fun to get back in that group. I think just been doing so much suffering by myself, just missed a bit of that urgency for the road racing. So just kind of missed that, uh, that breakaway. I'm used to just riding hard by myself and had to, should have pushed it a little bit harder to make that uh, lead group, but still super fun time mixing up with everyone out there. For sure. Um, you, you mentioned COVID and a little bit about that, but it's been pretty obvious that you've been keeping busy uh, throughout COVID and uh, busy and being pretty creative with it too um, between the different FKT attempts that you've done. And, uh, and you, you did that write up of the, uh, um, that Strava segment, the, the downhill Strava. The segment. repack. Yeah. yeah. Let's, let's talk about that first. Um, yeah. Re- is it repack Hill or repack? Yeah. The repack downhill. So yeah, the classic, uh, downhill in Fairfax that Gary Fisher and the, all the guys in Marin started doing in the late seventies. And, uh, yeah, I thought it'd be fun to go back and revisit, but yeah, I mean, it's been, I mean, I've can't say, uh, I've really enjoyed the last year. It's almost been like a sabbatical sabbatical, um, obviously been in a good industry for COVID, um, um, cycling industry is going really well, but as an athlete, you always want to feel like you're doing your job. So, I mean, I've had to evolve in my career. I'm mid 44 now, still making a living at a bike race, but that's, I've had to, you know, work hard. Um, luckily I've been working with a lot of companies, uh, behind the scenes on some testing and R and D, but still, yeah, trying to find some interesting projects. And that was fun. I mean, I've, uh, I was a bike nerd when I started out and loved the, the history of this sport. So it was kind of fun to dive into that. And, uh, do something that I thought people might be interesting and relate. And yeah, it was fun, fun challenge to push myself. Uh, took a few attempts to kind of dial in that fire road downhill kind of reminded me of uh, downhill back in the day when I started yeah. and, uh, you had a fun to piece together a run finally and, and get, uh, that, that top time. I mean, it's just Strava, but still it was a fun story to take on and I've been, yeah, still this summer is still pretty sparse for events. So still, yeah, trying to come up with creative projects and uh, share my love of riding my bike. Who um, who had the top time for the the repack? Was it Gary Fisher? Like just uh, like unofficial or official? I, I don't know. I mean, it's not Strava time, obviously, but no. Well, the una, the unofficial from back in the day was uh, Gary Fisher. Kind of actually exchanged a few messages after writing that <laughs> article, chatting with him about it, and. And Joe Lawwell from Shimano as well, um, grew up in the area. And yeah, he told me a story that, well, Miles Rockwell went, went and took it on back in the day and allegedly did a 402 as well, but it's definitely obviously evolved in the last, I don't know, 40, 50 years. And they put in some water bars. So it's, the course has definitely changed over the years, okay. but it's yeah, fun to, fun to hear the history and Fisher talking about, uh, yeah, he's actually building up, a one of his old clunker bikes, I think for Steve Pete to do a do a ride uh this summer <laughs> what but, i uh, mean what what kind of bikes were they riding i mean do you know um just general i mean were they like the big beach cruiser kind of things or were they a little more evolved yeah definitely definitely clunkers gary's actually sent me a picture of the bike he's building up but super super heavy wheels but he said he's still i was surprised still 
still ran pretty low pressure, like 22 PSI, obviously not as good at tires and treads as we have nowadays, but he's had, you know, big motorcycle lever brakes, but he said he had pretty good braking with one finger if they're dialed in, but yeah, super, super heavy and uh, (laughs) big gyroscopic effect steering those things down the hill. Uh, But yeah, pretty impressive how fast they went on those old things. Yeah, no kidding. Um, speaking of bikes, uh, you have kind of famously, um, played around with different bikes for different types of racing. And when I think of you, I mean, I think of primarily you're a mountain biker. Um, but then you have this penchant for drop bars, which I absolutely love. (laughs) And, uh, I mean, I, I kind of want to talk about that, about, um, why you choose drop bars so many times. I mean, you've, you've done it in Iceman. You've used it. I mean, it kind of makes sense. Um, and then some of these FKT challenges that you've um, done recently. But as a mountain biker, I know that I don't want to pigeon you whole as a mountain biker, but pigeonhole you as a mountain biker. But uh, what? why drop bars? Why do you choose drop bars? Uh, why do you keep going back to drop bars, I guess? Well, I mean, I think... It's one thing throughout my career, I think, growing up in BC, I always had those technical skills and backgrounds. So even in uh, my mountain bike career, I was always known for kind of pushing the limits of what I could get away with, uh, especially with light light tires or some of the the Max Light from Maxis. I used a bunch of races, these kind of like road tires, I actually used them out in Utah, this XE race, um, to try to see what I could get away with. And especially with the drop bars, I love it when people doubt what you can do and it's it's always fun i think um pushing the limits of your bike and seeing what you can get away with and um i don't know i i definitely ride all kinds of bikes on all kinds of terrains so it gives me a good perspective of what i can get away with and manage and i'm always looking for you know as an athlete a little bit of an advantage and um yeah iceman is one that i kind of thought about what you could get away with on that course it's pretty you know as you know pretty fast and uh smooth a lot of it and uh yeah with when i partnered with yeti uh it's a friendly partnership as well with open cycles the the owners are kind of friends from back in the day in the industry and yeah when i got that open and realized i could um put the 650b mountain bike tires on 27 mm-hmm. five mountain bike tires i was like well this is going to make sense and uh I wrote, wrote it a bunch in, in training and uh, I was still that first year pretty nervous. Like the week before I was up in Squamish and wrote it on the trails. And I was like, okay, I think I can make this work. It's a, and it was a, a gamble I was uh, willing to take. And yeah, it was just a super fun story and just put a, put a big smile on my face, just showing up on that bike <laughs> and seeing people's faces. And uh, yeah, to, to win it uh, really, uh, topped it all off super fun and yeah i continue to kind of ride all these kind of bikes and it's it's fun to kind of we're seeing gravel bikes evolve with different technology and obviously working with fox on a new fork has kind of expanded what i can do on a gravel bike and so i mean as an athlete i'm always looking to these companies uh working on development and uh looking for stories how we can highlight some of that development and so that was part of the the trip up out to Utah to do the white rim. And I uh, wasn't even sure I was going to do the Cocapelli, but um, did the white rim and uh, felt pretty good and decided might as well uh, start the Cocapelli and see how it went. And yeah, definitely. I don't know. It's just super fun, especially this year to have challenges to kind of um, look into prepare and figure out what it takes and try to pull it off. So yeah, I mean, it's definitely been some fun stuff. Quite a few people have been doing um, different FKTs, um, but Cocapelli and White Rim in particular, um, those seem like more than just uh, challenges. They seem like <laughs> big days. I mean, what can you explain a little bit for each one? Like what kind of, uh, we're talking how many hours and you're all by yourself, right? I mean, so it's, it's a yeah. solo effort. So you did, which one did you start with, White Rim or Cocapelli? Yeah, I did uh, the XE races out in Swords of Hollow and then went to Moab uh, after the weekend and started with the white rim. And I think, uh, I mean, all the like pacing kind of 
popularized a bit and there's mm -hmm. been a bunch of guys after keegan and stetna right. and i mean all the pictures i saw i was like man those roads look perfect for a gravel bike <laughs> and everyone i talked to is like well you know it's really rough on the backside, really chopped up and i was like well i'm gonna try this out and i think the intimidating thing about white rim it's a hundred mile loop it's uh pretty quick for the top guys five and a half most people do it in two or three days kind of camping supported trip but it's also it's off the grid there's no cell phone service so i was a little bit nervous about taking too many risks with the bike because i didn't want to get stranded out there so uh, definitely had uh, the little garmin in reach with satellite service with uh just in case something happened but yeah that one went pretty smooth i was like right on pace until four hours but definitely started a little late got a little took a little bit too little water that's the mm -hmm. big challenge there is trying to gauge how much how much too much or too little water to to make it around the loop and suffered into the end there and uh kind of fell off the pace and it has a massive climb at the end which i just had to kind of drag myself up and <laughs> there was still still super fun challenge and these are just spectacular rides too and that's kind of the the cool thing to do it and i just figured there until the weekend and figured out oh, no see how see how the body recovers but even doing it on the gravel bike didn't feel too bad and the intimidating thing about cocapelli it's uh the fkt time is almost twice as long yes. 10 and a half hours but it's it's also unsupported and so 10 and a half hours in the the desert you got to find your water source and so did my research and uh, there's the colorado river halfway a few streams that I could have stopped, but didn't really have the time to scout out and make sure they're running. But Colorado River is not the cleanest looking river. <laughs> so uh, it's a uh, you know, logistic challenge to, um, yeah, I took a little water filter and you got to stop and refill your, your bottles. And I mean, it was fun. I had no idea what I was getting into. So I tried to look at the satellite imagery to kind of figure out where I was going and load the map and make sure I didn't get lost. But both days actually had really nice days. Um, actually ended up taking way too much water on the Cocapelli. Um, still at the end, because there's no water sources for the last five or six hours, got pretty thirsty, but beautiful day. And yeah, kind of funny how close a bunch of us of three guys are all within three or four minutes right now on the FKT. That's wild. <laughs> uh, but super, again, it's like a, a ride that most people do in three or four days, but yeah, super fun to, um, just take it on on the gravel bike and actually didn't didn't feel too bad afterwards even the last uh 20 20 miles is all single track into fruta but still it's just super fun i do a lot of it kind of under biking on the on the drop bars and with the the new fork it's actually a lot of fun just whipping through some some single track are you still riding 650s on on the on the gravel bike no um <clears throat> Yeah, I think with the advent of, of Kushkor, who I'm a partner with, like uh, the 700C um, tires make a lot more sense. Like, uh, I mean, I'm down to like the low 20 PSI with the 700Cs and uh, mm -hmm. I was running, running 45C uh, Maxxis Ramblers for the Cocapelli. So you can fit decent volume now. And with the advent of the tire inserts, you can run a lot lower pressure and make it more comfortable. And yeah, with the addition of that, that fork, you can run the 700 C wheels, no problem and uh, tackle quite a variety of terrain. Yeah. I mean, you were kind of on the beginning of this like trend of, of, uh, you know, bigger tired gravel bikes, drop bar bikes. <clears throat> um, but I think in the last, since you started riding these gravel, these, well, a drop bar bike, I don't know if they're, well, they're probably kind of called a gravel bike back then, but now like gravel bikes are everywhere and big volume tired, uh, gravel bikes are just the thing now. And, uh, and then that's kind of progressing even further to like a front shock that you, <laughs> that you used for these FKTs. I mean, what did you, what was your, what was your take? Uh, I mean, you already said it kind of helped out with some of the, the rougher stuff. Um, do you think that's the future of gravel bikes or do you think it's just going to be an, an option, but not for everyone? I mean, I think like everything, it's going to be an option. I don't think um, everyone has the kind of terrain. I mean, there's definitely obviously some smoother gravel races. So I wouldn't necessarily say I'd use it in an event like 
SBT gravel or like the grass hopper I did on the weekend. I use my road bike because it's definitely smoother, more groomed. But I mean, for me, I'll use it a lot just on the riding I do. I think people a lot of say like our comments are like, oh, why don't you just run a hardtail mountain bike? But I think it's the kind of diversity of terrain you can ride. It's one, one, the gearing on a gravel bike with the fork, uh, but also the position. Like a lot of the rides I do, really cool rides in Marin, I'll commute an hour, hour and a half on roads to some trails, but then you can still jump on the, on the trails and have a super capable bike and, and ride back. Uh, as well up here in the Sierras and Truckee, you can ride some back roads over to Lake Tahoe and ride the Flume Trail and just do these really amazing cool loops that like there's no way i'd want to ride ride my mountain bike on the road for an hour and a half right. but on a gravel gravel bike uh, with drop bars and good gearing and um yeah the extra capability of a, a fork and tires with inserts it's like you can piece together some really cool rides and i think that's what appeals to people especially i mean yeah around here you know like everywhere the the roads are are busy and I mean, yeah, if you have a bike that you can ride on the gravel roads comfortably and see no traffic, it's definitely a lot, lot nicer experience, especially a lot of us, yeah, have seen accidents and friends hurt on the road. And, um, it's definitely appealing to, to go off piste and put together some of these really cool rides where you hardly see anyone. Yeah, for sure. Do you think that, uh, the front shock is an option for something like Iceman? For sure. I mean, um, I'm coming, like I said, from BC, uh, where skills and I think my background with cross and, uh, gravel, I can push the limits pretty far, like Cocapelli. Like, I don't think I'd recommend it to many people <laughs> on, on a gravel bike, sure. but I think it, yeah, certainly opens the door, um, for a lot bigger more adventurous technical rides for a lot of people i think um one thing i've definitely noticed um is just the comfort a lot of the stuff out here in california and up in bc is pretty choppy and you can you can do these rides on gravel bikes but you definitely feel uh pretty beat up but like yeah with the addition of the the fork man you can do these four or five hour rides really comfortably like man i did Cocapelli, 10 and a half hours off road. And yeah, the body felt pretty fine the day after I had just tiny bit of chafing on my thumbs. But other than that, like, uh, yeah, maybe it was all the Nordic skiing over the winter, but, uh, yeah, felt pretty, pretty comfortable at the end of the day. Uh, not, not too beat up. And I think that's, uh, one of the big highlights of, of riding that new fork and testing it for sure. Very cool. I mean, it seems like, and you mentioned, I, I, you said it first, so I'm not bringing it up first, but you said you're 44, right? Um, so yeah. it seems like, you know, 44, but you're still like, there's still a lot of new things that are, that keep you, it seems like keeping you interested. Like what keeps that going? What keeps that passion uh, aflame as you're, um, you know, you've been, you've been a cyclist for, for a long time. Um, do you, do you worry about burning out or do, do you not see that in the future? Like with all these new things that are, you know, well, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I mean, I think you said like, um, new stuff and new challenges is what keeps me motivated. I think been lucky, like early in my career, it was, was XE only. And I really thought of my career and kind of four year Olympic cycles, like, uh, 2012, maybe keep it going to. 2016 but then on i mean there's no way i'll be able to keep it going but the the industry and events evolved and luckily um i guess diverse enough as an athlete i've been able to yeah jump into all kinds of different disciplines from yeah blind enduro i've had some access to cyclocross to transfer over to gravel and i mean the endurance world kind of come full circle to what um really suited me more i mean back in my, back in the day when i started xc it was two and a half hour races uh, even my my junior worlds race i i only finished 99th but the, the winning time was two and a half hours and over my career in xc world it got shorter and shorter mm -hmm. and steeper more punchier xc races and 
my strength was always the, yeah, the endurance and pacing. Um, so definitely struggled at the end of my world cup career with the shorter and shorter puncher races. And so a lot of the more endurance epic rides or BC bike race kind of have fall back more to my strengths, kind of that technical endurance and pacing, which has really been fun to revisit. But, um, yeah, I think overall, like, um, once, you know, you kind of get addicted to just feeling healthy and eating well, once you know how good it feels to feel good, it's easy to be motivated to, uh, continue that healthy lifestyle. And like, I just, uh, yeah, I love the, the bikes and the technical side. So I do a lot of testing with some of the companies and really enjoy giving, doing that R and D feedback and yeah, I never thought I'd be keeping the hustle going. Um, my mid forties, but yeah, I'm still really enjoying it and feel like I can provide some value for all the, the companies I work with. And yeah, definitely it's like any job I've had to really work and evolve my, my skills and athlete, especially, um, going from a organized team I was on through 27, 2016, 2017 to, um, now operating as an individual athlete, but yeah, luckily I built some really good relationships in the industry and, um, had a platform from obviously my successful career and yeah, it's tough. I don't know how to tell young riders to get to the position I am. Um, it's certainly the landscape has, has changed a lot, but, um, yeah. definitely taking advantage and really enjoy what I'm doing. And, uh, yeah, I'll probably keep on keeping on as, as long as I can and uh, yeah, you're, motivated. You're sustained, uh, success and fitness is is impressive for sure um but one thing i love about cycling um from it can be from the 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 very highest end of competition to the other end of um recreation but it is it is a lifetime sport some sports like hockey or basketball or whatever there there's kind of a threshold where yeah you, you get to an age you probably don't want to be playing those sports anymore but I think with cycling you have an opportunity to um, to, to do it for the rest of your life and it's healthy and it's uh, maybe a smarter thing to I, I don't know but I just I, I like to see people especially um, that I don't know like a people like yourself that just keep, keep pushing the envelope and going further and further. And, um, yeah, yeah. It's, 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 uh, it's motivating to, I mean, there's, to everyone. Yeah. I mean, there's, a, there's always something new to, new to learn. That's a interesting thing about the sport of cycling. I mean, I'm still luckily, like I can't match up, uh, Watts to Watts against some of the young guys, especially like on the, the grass rope on the weekend, but yeah, experience and skill and, using every little trick I can to kind of keep, keep on being competitive. It's, it's fun to use that. And yeah, trying to share all my knowledge these days with some, some young athletes kind of mentor along the side and something I do with uh, some of the companies share my perspective from my, my long career. And yeah, it's just, yeah, fun, fun challenge. Like I didn't grow up jumping, um, jumping bikes. So still enjoy kind of, challenging myself and scaring myself, pushing myself a little bit there as well. <laughs> That's cool. Um, so you're already kind of set up for it, but are you with the drop bars and the gravel bikes? Like, have you thought about, I mean, grasshopper, I guess is, is definitely like a gravel race, but there's some of the more traditional, I, I'm, I'm not even sure if we can call them traditional, but traditional gravel races. Have you thought about doing some of these long, like unbound or, something like Mid-South, have you ever thought about having that to be part of your future calendar? Well, I did Unbound a couple times. Yeah, no, I think um did it a couple times. Uh, finished on the podium, a car, I don't know when it was, 2018, and went back in 2019. Uh, had a lot of fun hanging out with that community and yeah. stirring the pot, pot out there. That's uh, uh, the well-known arrow bar editorial i wrote out there the second year and mm -hmm. my jort had a jort skin suit i got made up but <laughs> man that's uh last time i went out it's just such a lottery out there at unbound um i like it's just flint sharp rocks and i triple flatted last night last time and 
did a solo nine hour TT chase and oh. that just felt like took a few years off my life. Um, <laughs> so it's definitely a really fun community, but I've done it a few and that's the thing for me. I'm, I just like finding new events and new challenges to kind of to do. And so I've done that one a couple of times and yeah, just always gravel is kind of like my side hustle, I guess. Uh, mountain biking is the main thing. And sure. so, um, I was just seeing what I can fit in and look for new fun events to do. I want to circle back to Iceman. Um, I just had one quick question about your drop bar choice. Um, you famously won it on drop bars in 2018, correct? And yep. then 2019, the conditions were a little different. Uh, <laughs> muddy, famously muddy. And uh, day of morning of you made the choice with drop bars you're, you're you haven't raced it were you rethinking your choice at going in or were you like pretty sure that you know you could handle the mud i mean it's kind of like a cycle cross situation at that point but um yeah what no if- i mean after the first year i was like confident uh work regardless i mean i was all in i only had the drop bar bike out there okay but um <laughs> No, I mean, I'd ridden the second half, and the second half's a lot more sandy, so I knew all I needed to do was make it to the the halfway, the road crossing there. And No, I mean, I've ridden, yeah, cyclocross and nasty stuff. I mean, I've done a lot of underbiking, I call it, on my on my drop bar, so I'm pretty confident in my handling. And, yeah, I mean, the, the ergonomics on the, the gravel bikes have gotten a lot better, the brakes with the new group sets like the GRX, so pretty confident on those bikes. I mean, I do a lot of, uh, tougher stuff, tougher rides on that bike. Um, and like I said, I, uh, getting older, so I need, need some kind of advantage to kind of, <laughs> kind of lean on. And, um, I think most of all, it's just, yeah, it's just fun, fun doing that race on, on drop bars, fun little challenge and looking for an advantage. And yeah, 20 last time we raced Alexi was definitely motivated yeah. and, uh, Happy, happy to see him take the win again, and uh, hopefully we can get back to it again this year. Yeah, definitely. So that I mean, if if all goes well, the plan is for you to return. Yeah, I mean it's always marked on my calendar there, um, and yeah, usually usually have a free weekend unless something comes up or the the border doesn't open up. But yeah, oh, yeah. it's definitely on my schedule and hoping to go back there. I mean that's the only wrench right now. Still. Uh, the Canadian border have to quarantine if I go back home to visit. Um, but I mean, for sure we're, we're not, not that far away from a month or two, hopefully return to normal here. Yep. Um, any other big, big races? I know you said you don't, don't have a ton of stuff, uh, scheduled out. I think you said that, but, um, but any other big things that you looking forward to for 2021, hopefully? Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, unfortunately, like a lot of organizers weren't able to commit to events this summer like most of the epic rides the endurance Mm -hmm. 50 milers got canceled besides benville but yeah the summer's pretty sparse um i don't know i said i'd never do leadville but i might try to do that Uh, but (laughs) things aren't really going to kick off until september okay Um, trans cascadia the blind enduro that's in september and bc bike race got bumped back to october but yeah it's going to be definitely some conflicts and decisions to make with um, so many events kind of being stacked up and rescheduled to the fall with yeah, sea otter and Benville and Moab rocks and BCBR and all these events I typically spread out over the summer, but I think everyone's going to be pretty excited to get back to it. Might um, the uh, cyclocross nationals is back out on the West coast in Victoria on Vancouver Island. So I'd like to take one more, one more stab at cross nationals. Okay. See, uh, okay. See how I can do out there. And yeah, just hope to get back to some, some cool international races. I think the last big trip I did was to Nepal for enduro, which is, it's super fun to take advantage of those opportunities when I can to go explore. So yeah, definitely hoping eventually to get back to Europe and do some traveling and visiting. And um, yeah, it's going to be a stacked, 2021 fall but hopefully by 2022 most of the organizers survive and can continue putting on some fun events very cool 
Well, I appreciate this. This was awesome. I uh, I hope that we run into each other up in Traverse City in the uh, in yeah. the in the fall. And um, yeah, uh, thank you so much. I really really appreciate your time. Yeah, hopefully we get that ice trophy and head out to the bars again. <laughs> yeah, most definitely. <laughs> Thanks, Jeff. All right, good chatting with you. The Dirty Chain Podcast is a Michigan Midpack Media production in partnership with KOM Cycling, the source for your bike accessories and necessities. Connect with us on Instagram and Facebook at Dirty Chain Podcast, email dirtychainpodcast at gmail.com, or call our hotline at 616-522-2641. If you are enjoying the podcast, please leave us a rating and review on whatever platform you use to listen. Audio editing and original music and current bad decisions by Trevor Gibney. Sheldon Little handles the ferret wrangling, poor running choices, and even worse bad decisions. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you to Jeff Kabush for joining us on this episode. And as always... Keep your chain clean, but get your chain dirty. We will see you in the midpack.